Welcome to the End of Days Conference hosted by Rhema Family Church in February 2016. Our guest speaker is Reverend Joseph Morris. Man, I'm excited about having um, a Dead Times Conference where we can gather and get into all the signs of the coming of the Lord. We can get into the rapture of the church where we're caught up, get into the second coming of the Lord where we bodily come back with Him and all the details about the millennium. Man, you get a picture of your future. It makes you really bold. Now, the millennium is one of the funnest things I like to get into. We'll get into that for a while. It shows us what we'll be doing during that thousand years. Not a lot preached on that, but we'll, we'll kind of open up all of that in these services. And, and I know we'll be strengthened, we'll be encouraged. And the, the Lord really is trying to import some things to us about how near we are. Why is that? He wants us to pick up our pace. And it's not a weird thing. It's just accelerate our thought pattern to do the will of God. And really, I believe there's a heightened awareness of who Jesus really is. The more we get to know him, the freer you are. Literally, the more you get to know him, the freer you are. He changes everything. If you're here this morning and you don't have peace, he was to mentally tormented so you can have peace. He had a crown of thorns on his head. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was berated mentally so you don't have to be. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says it pleased the Father to bruise him so that you wouldn't have to be bruised. Oh, come on. So we're, 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 we're blessed that this Jesus that gave his life for us, the creator of everything you see, Hebrews says that he's the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of his person, that this Jesus that made everything, all of a sudden, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And what a cool thing, this, this king that we worship, that we have this relationship with, we're going to go from faith to sight. And what a shock that's going to be to see the eyes as a flame of fire, feet like unto fine brass. I believe we'll, the first thing we'll see when we get there is that rainbow, then we'll see that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. You'll go, look at that fountain that my God let himself be beaten to redeem me. So, so we have a lot of an inheritance to walk in before we get there, and we have a lot of import in this hour to do the will of God. So that's why we have end-time conferences. I know you, you have a lot of services, and you're very busy, and I love that you've been getting into end times and all the stuff that you preach on. I love that your pastor's agenda is to bless you and strengthen you. You know, some, you know their, their hidden agenda, it's really hidden, is to help you. To help you and to bless you and strengthen you because there's a destiny on you there's a destiny on australia there's a, there's an unusual call on brisbane and, and and on sydney and on melbourne there's just an interesting thing about this section of the the side of australia i i probably would i'm guessing pete there were some prayers that went up 100 200 years ago that people walked this 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 continent and decreed some things and you're all and we are all walking out different things that people decreed and prayed and got in the father's face and said this is what we'll have right before the coming of the Lord. And this is what we'll have right before the coming of the Lord. So let's be uh, faithful uh, to fulfill those prayers and to get the, 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 the message of Jesus to everyone. We need to demonstrate that he came out of the grave. Amen? So won't you grab your Bibles and you just turn wherever you think you will turn. We'll see if you're flowing. So uh, we'll go first of all, I guess, to the first Peter or second Peter. And uh, uh, we'll start there. So I want to I'm so blessed that we have tonight and tomorrow and the next day to get into all this because it is so much that I'm going to endeavor to slow down. And I, I felt like last service I was going in slow motion, but uh, I'll try to do better. But uh, there's just so much stuff happening right now. You're living when all of these verses are coming to pass. 
I remember end time preachers 20 and 30 years ago, they said, well, everything that's happened has to happen. The, all the, the pieces of the puzzle have come together. And that was 20 and 30 years ago. And my friend, last week something happened, the week before something happened, that are literally connecting the dots to show us that verses from our Bible are coming to pass. It's an exciting time, a rejoicing time. I know the number one thing the Lord's really tried to hammer on me is uh, to get into is how much he loves us. This morning, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And if you could magnify that by a billion trillion, you couldn't magnify it enough to show how much he loves you. He cares for you. He wants you nourished. He wants you instructed. He wants you strengthened. He only wants good things for you. Only wants good things for you. I mean, it's just amazing how, bless his heart, he's gotten blamed for things that the devil's doing. And, and our Father loves you. There's no variableness with him. And there's neither even shadow of turning. He wants his believers to be so excited and to be so hopeful and so happy right before he comes that you're almost giddy all the time. That people think something's wrong with you because you're so happy. Why? Wow, you're about to see Jesus face to face. Now, we'll get into the timing of that. I believe that we can tell how near we are once we get into all the signs. I can't give you the exact date, but I can tell you what, we're in the season. So when you get into all the signs they point to, we're very, very, very near his return. So let's look at some verses kind of as an introduction, and then we'll get into some of the signs of the coming of the Lord. And I know what it'll do to us, it'll, it'll, it'll propel us. It'll give us fuel to run faster. When you see the finish line, you don't run slower, you run faster. My daughter's uh, married in 28. When she was in high school, she ran cross country and practiced for that, you know, ran miles every day. I would get on my motorcycle and ride beside her and go, you're doing good, Lauren, doing great. And so I'm buzzing along on my motorcycle while she's running. <coughs> She'd run four or five miles and not even be tired. I was tired riding my motorcycle. So she's running, not even tired, but she's training, 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 training. Come time for the weekends where she'd have her cross country events. I got to be in almost every single one of them. I'd be right there at the first mile marker. She comes up to that first mile marker, and she'd yell out, Daddy, Daddy, how far, how far? I go, Lauren, you got two more miles. Pace yourself. You know, and then I, you know, she, she wanted to know how much energy do I exert right there. I don't want to give it all out at the beginning, so I said, pace yourself. you got a couple more miles. I would cut across the field, get to the next mile marker, and the first thing she says is she runs up, Daddy, Daddy, how far, how far? I go, Lauren, you got another mile. you got to pace yourself. you got plenty of time. There'd come a time I'd cut through the last place, and as we'd come up to that place, she'd come running up. She'd see the finish line. She would see me. She wouldn't say a word to me. She wouldn't say, hey, Daddy, how far? She'd see the finish line. Her countenance would change. She'd get this joy, all that, all that practice, all that training, all that work every day that meant nothing. All of a sudden, right there, she said, I'm not going to come to the very end of this race and slow down. I'm screaming, run. And her countenance would change to the point she's ran all that way she can make it to the finish line. And she would pick up the pace. I wouldn't have to say it. I'd start screaming, run, run, Lord, run. See, that's the, we see the finish line today. As we get into these verses, it will cause us to accelerate. As we come to the end of the church age, Everything that we've been taught, all this investment of the word for our generation, he wants to, to bring those investments out, all those deposits. Because right now, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Come on, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Come on, there is something in you that no other generation ever had. Daniel saw you, prophesied about you. He said you would be strong. You would know your God, and you would do exploits. You know, it's amazing. A lot of people know the Word of God, but not the God of the Word. I believe God's getting us acquainted with the God of the Word. <coughs> so with that, we're privileged to watch verse 
after verse after verse come to pass while we're on the planet. There's more verses about the time we live right now and the tribulation time than any other verses in the Bible. There's more documentation about right now. So that means that's on God's heart. So you're living when all this stuff is on his heart. So a third of this book is prophecy. There's more documentation about right now than ever before. So let's get into the verses, and we'll see how it'll bless us, it'll strengthen us, and it'll help us uh, pick up the pace. Amen? Amen? Go, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we'll start here. It's page 295 if you've got a Bible like mine. Verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Notice the tone. He calls you his beloved. In, in the Gospels, he's telling them, pray that you might be accounted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. Here you don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. You're his beloved. You're him. When you get into the epistles, as he is, so are we in this world. So the tone changes a little bit. So notice him talking to us about, in times, you're his beloved. He says in verse 2 that you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Interesting. He said the climate of the last days, you'd think people would be like, wow, Jesus is coming. He said the climate of the last days, people would be scoffing. They'd be walking after their flesh, and even their, their scoffing would cause them to preach. It says, look what they would say. It says in verse 3, Knowing this verse, they'll come in the last day, scoffers, walking after their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Notice that walk of basically walking according to the world. It produces a preaching. Uh, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, I don't believe he's coming because we haven't seen it because we've heard all our lives he's coming back. Well, you know, we've heard all our lives he's coming back because he is coming back. And that's even crept into the church. Because I've heard people go, ah, I've been hearing that all my life. Yes, that's exactly right. I said it this morning. My mother told me as a little kid, hey, gee, the rapture could happen tonight. Well, I went to bed going, Lord, I love you. Because I, 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 I didn't want to miss the rapture. Amen. So you can either respond haughty or humble. You can either respond, when you hear the message, you can either be, yeah, whatever, or, or Lord, I love you. And see, that's the whole purpose of the tribulation, is to catch all those people that are hard-headed or haughty, going, I don't really believe that. Well, they're going to have some fireworks going on for seven years, that the Lord loves them so much, He's going to have all that happening to turn their heart. Thank God you and I here, He says, the climate would be like that right even before we leave. And you work with people like that every day. Oh, I've been hearing that all my life. Well, look what the Bible says. Watch what the Scripture says in the next verse, verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. He says here they forgot about the flood. These people that are scoffing going, hey, where is the promise of his coming? Well, they forgot change came when no one believed a change was coming. Can you imagine Noah called to preach something no one's ever seen before? That would be kind of a bummer. The Lord goes, oh, by the way, you're going to preach about rain. And he goes, what's rain? <laughs> I mean, the, water, the earth was watered by the dew that came up. So, so Noah's like, oh, great. i got to preach on something people have never even heard of. And when he began to preach it, they, they mocked him. But the Bible said he was warned of God. It's the Hebrew word krematazio, to be divinely instructed. Noah was divinely instructed that the flood was coming. So what did he do? He preached. Now you think that people would have paid attention after the animals started 
coming in and coming together like, hmm, something's up. As crazy as Noah is, he's got a pretty good following of animals. So I'm sure some things went through their mind when that started happening. But it's amazing that he preached and preached and preached and people mocked him. Well, the Bible says here that the climate would be just like that today. And you can sense that. And we want to make sure that doesn't creep over into the church. I've said it this way, that it's weird that Hollywood movies have more of a sense of change sometimes than the church does. I mean, their movies are about vampires and about, uh, uh, what's the, 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 the zombies. All these weird, I mean, how could there be that many more TV shows or movies about zombies? Why? They feel a change coming or a resurrection. That's the way they interpret it. There is a change coming. There is a change coming. The church is going to depart, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords, about seven years later, is going to come back to the earth, and he's going to have a scepter of righteousness with the scepter of his kingdom, and you're going to come back right there with him, riding on white horses, and what a view of the earth it will be as we come back to planet earth, and the, and the brightness of his glory obliterates the Antichrist, just like that, where we're watching the setup for all of that right now. You're living when nation after nation is not just getting the gospel. The gospel is being preached all over the world, but nations are moving into position for something that gets them ready for the tribulation period and gets them ready for the revelation, the revelation of Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we're privileged, super privileged. So let's go a little further, and he gives us some info here. Skip down to verse 8. He says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So he gives you some timing there. If you, if you did the math on that, your life is like a, a two-hour movie to the Lord. <laughs> I want to say get all, get all you can in during that two-hour movie. So uh, that's about how long our, our 80, an 80-year life is, about two hours to him. So think about this mentally for a minute. You've got 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from the first coming of, from Abraham to Jesus coming, 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming, 6,000 years. Everything that we do revolves around that program. Your week is like that. You have six days in your week, seventh day, we have Sunday, and then we start over again. So the earth is like that. So here Peter's just trying to explain to them by the Holy Ghost, there's a little bit of timing going to happen here, and then the Lord's going to come back. And there's many, there's many more of these, but there's one of them. Remember when Jesus went to the Good Samaritan? He took him up to the end. He said, after two days, I'll come back and take care of whatever he spent. That's just one of the little insights about a 2,000-year church period, church age. Another one is he said, you tell Herod, I do cures today and tomorrow and the third day I'll be perfected. He's still doing cures through his church. There's, there's several more like that, but we get the timing of God here. We're at the end of 6,000 years of human history, so it's a change coming. You can feel the earth getting ready in the last 100 years, just technology and everything. Daniel talked about people will be going to and fro, the technology of the day. Just the technology for all this is everything's been sped up to get the message out that Jesus is alive and well. So let's watch what, what heaven tells us to do. Skip over to verse uh, 17. The Lord tells us to do something here in verse uh, 17 of this chapter. I like this. He says, therefore, because of this, because you're living when people may not pay attention or may be callous, he says, look at this in verse 17, therefore, my beloved, he said, seeing that you know these things before. He said, beware. Anytime you see beware, you want to pay attention. He said, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now, what is the error of the wicked? They think things are just going to keep right on going. They're not going to keep right on going. There is a change coming. So if you don't watch it, that error of the wicked kind of creeps into the church, and we get, we get, on, we get kind of cruising. 
You know what I'm saying? So the, the thought pattern has to get into the church. We have a two-minute warning mentality. When you're playing sports, you're playing football or whatever you play, uh, soccer, when the clock's ticking down, you don't think, hey, let's chill. You think, I've got to run faster. I've got to do whatever I have to do to score. You, you, everything changes when you're running out of time. I know in football, in, in America, it comes to two minutes. They have special plays they do. They've been rehearsing so the quarterback can come to the huddle and come to the line and can call audibles. He doesn't even have to. He, he changes things as he's going. Things are just different. You're not worried about how tired you are. There's no complaining. There's no murmuring. Could you imagine playing football and you're getting ready, you need to score a goal, and you go, you know, my knees are hurting. No. I mean, your, 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 your playing partners would go like, hello, what are you whining about your knees? we got to score. So the, the, the mentality changes immediately when you're running out of time. So as we look at things in this conference, we'll be looking at the clock. We'll be looking at our timepiece, Israel. And so here he says, make sure you don't fall from your own steadfastness. Now, how can you fall from something if you hadn't already been there in the first place? What is that? That you know who you are in Christ. There's a strength in you. You're not moved by how you feel. Not moved by what you see. You're moved by what the Word says about you. So that's in you. How wonderful that God has done that in the last 45 to 50 years. He's sown the Word so strong in you that you're not moved by anything. Oh, come on. You remember the old days Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by the Word that's real. And that's been deposited in you and I. That's that steadfastness. Why? Six times before the catching away of the church or the rapture of the church, he tells you six times, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, why is that a big deal? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In righteousness, you'll be established are made to stand. That's why right before the rapture of the church, he says, be steadfast, indicating... You can be living when all of these verses are coming to pass and people are casual about the will of God. We're all work with people all day long that are kind of like, yeah, whatever, I don't believe that. So their attitudes kind of crept into the church. So you've got to forcibly go, no, I'm steadfast. I'm steadfast. The king's coming back. The Bible admonishes us to preach to one another about his return because you're in the climate that people don't believe he's coming back. But he is coming back. Amen. So we'll get into all this. And why do we get into end time preaching? Because it so proves the scripture. Go over to Isaiah. And let's buzz through that for a little bit. Go to Isaiah chapter 46. I, I love this because it so shows how cool the scriptures are. Isn't it amazing? He's watching over his word to perform it. When you get into this and you look at all the moeds or called set times in the scriptures and you see how flawless it is, it's just shocking how perfect it is. So look at Isaiah 46. Run with me there if you would to Isaiah 46. Look at verse 9. He says, remember, this is page 829 if you've got a Bible like mine. Wouldn't it be cool when we all get to heaven and have the same Bible? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Amen. Look at Isaiah 46. Look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There is none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. He said, This is how you can relax and tell that I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Pretty amazing. No other religion can do that. Anyone you talk to of any other religion, I don't want to sound mean, but I go, Nah, 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 nah. You can't tell me the future. This book is the only book that can tell you the future. And I'm not, not trying to be ornery, but it's just wonderful that God goes, this is where he said, you can tell I'm God. Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel will be made a nation. 
Daniel, Gabriel told him the very year Jesus would come the first time. If you come back the next couple days, we'll get into all that, where Daniel was told by Gabriel exactly the year Jesus would come. Guess what? He came exactly to the year. Wow, flawless. Listen to this. I'll read you the first ten names of guys in the Bible. It's so cool. Uh, It's a lot of info. And, uh, and, and I know I'm going fast, because remember I said, it's like uh, hearing Joe preach on end times, it's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant, so I'm going to slow down. <laughs> There's just too much information. It's just, it's just I, I say, everybody say caffeine, praise the Lord. <laughs> so look at the, the, listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared, Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Listen to the first ten names of the guys in the Bible. Give you the whole plan of redemption. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death brings a despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Because he said, hey, you can relax. I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Pretty amazing. The whole book of Revelation is, is one big, huge word of wisdom, one of those gifts of the Spirit. The first part of it is word of knowledge, the present tense conditions of the churches. After that, it gives you the future. This book, one-third of this book is prophecy. Why did God do that? So you could tell it's outside of man's realm to even write this, that he can tell you stuff that's going to happen before it happens. So run with me mentally for a minute. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times. Coming of the Lord, 52 times. For every verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, there's eight times more about the second coming of the Lord. There's 300 and something prophecies about the first coming of the Lord, so there's almost 2,500 prophecies about the second coming of the Lord. God did that so that when you're in that pointed time, that we would, we would check this out and go, wow, I've got to hustle because this is the very end. I mean, I said it many times, you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. I mean, if you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities, rule over ten cities. I don't want to be using a weed eater living in Louisiana during the millennium. I want to be ruling and reigning. There's Brother Joe. No, I want, to, I want to do what I'm called to do in my time slot. So with all those verses, listen to how perfect the Bible is. Listen to the, uh, the flawlessness of the first coming. Now, I'm going to give you a bunch of verses here for just a second. These are predictions or prophecies about the first coming of the Lord. He'd be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. (laughs) He'd be betrayed by his friends. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. That silver would be thrown into the temple to buy a potter's field. He'd ride into Jerusalem on a colt. They'd pierce him in his side. They'd gamble over his robe. Wow. He'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. He'd be crucified amongst thieves. Uh, I I like this one, that his body would not see uh, decay. He'd be raised from the dead. (laughs) That's a tough one. (laughs) Amen. Most people can't pull that one off. (laughs) He's God. Amen. He would be quiet before his accusers. I'm missing a couple of them here, but the other one is it would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross. Now, how many of you liked algebra or geometry when we went to school, you know? Uh, you know then it got to statistics, and statistics was just like, yeah, holy cow, what is this? So st- statistically, know what the odds are of all those prophecies coming to pass in one generation? Now, there's 300. I gave you about 15 or 16. The odds of 17 coming to pass in one generation. 
480 with 33 zeros after it. It's 480 billion times a trillion and a billion. Even in science, after so many zeros, it didn't happen by chance. Because see, people think, well, that just happened by chance. No, it didn't happen by chance. God spoke. He'll ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. God said he'd be crucified amongst thieves. God said he'd be pierced in his side, wear a crown of thorns. And when you see that stuff come to pass and know the flawlessness of it, at the first coming, you've got eight times more flawlessness at the second coming. So we can watch Russia, we can watch Syria, we can watch Crimea, we can watch the Libya, we can watch all these nations prepare for what's going to happen right after we leave. It should preach to us we're watching things happen right before God comes back to the planet. Amen? So let's grab our Bibles and let's run over to, uh, run over to Luke, if you would. It's just a wonderful time. You know, I was preaching in a church in Hartford, Connecticut, Matt and Alette's church. I don't know if you've ever been there, guys. I know you guys have been everywhere. It's a, a church in Hartford. N- nice guy, real wonderful brother. I was preaching along uh, one time there. I had a word of knowledge at the end. I was in a hurry because I got so, you know, the message is so long that you've got to hustle through it. So I had a word of knowledge that somebody had damage in their thyroid, and they were trying to put a needle in it, and their back was being healed. I said, so there's somebody here. They, they want to put a needle in your thyroid, and your back's being healed. Just take it. I kept doing other stuff, you know, and I finished the service. This 28-year-old man came up to me. He goes, hey, 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 I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. They want to put a needle in my thyroid. He said, and, and I feel it going to my back, my back's healed. I said, well, buddy, thanks for coming tonight. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. Appreciate you hearing the word, you know, appreciate you coming. Glad you're healed. Uh, well, the next night I came back, his girlfriend walked up to me. He said, you know, you don't understand about my boyfriend that got healed last night. The whole time I was preaching, you know what he said about me? He's a con man, he's a con man, he's a con man. He don't like me don't like my preaching, still gets healed. So you're just living in a very, very, very cool time where his mercy is being magnified to do the will of God. He he wants to help people get it. So mixing in what we have as far as equipment for harvest, mixing in the coming of the Lord, two things he said don't be ignorant about. Number one, gifts of the Spirit. Number two, the coming of the Lord. Why? Right before the coming of the Lord, he wants some activity from heaven going through the church to harvest. So that's your life. He sets you up. So with that, let's go to Luke 21. Grab your Bibles there and go to Luke 21, and we'll run through some signs for a little bit. And I'm so glad we get to come back tonight and and, and get into everything. We'll just get into all of it. Hallelujah. Luke 21, verse 24. If you got your Bibles there, verse 24, they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That kind of sounds pretty radical that Jesus said, hey, when you see Jerusalem won back, time's up. That's a pretty bold statement. So we know in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was overthrown. And for all that time, they, they, they stayed overthrown. But in 1967, boom, Jerusalem was won back. The Six-Day War, the miracles that happened in that Six-Day War, you can Google it, called Against All Odds. They interview all the guys that were in that war. I used to preach about them, and now you can watch them physically be interviewed, and most of them are secular. Most of them don't believe in miracles. Even afterwards, they said, I don't know what happened, but something happened that day. I talked about it in the first service. Remember, there were 88 Egyptian tanks coming down against Israel in that Six-Day War. 
And one Israeli guy said, you know what, I'm going to go out with a bang. He started firing shells. So it was 88 Egyptian tanks to one Israeli tank. The Israeli tanks firing shells, firing shells. And all night, eventually the Egyptian commander came out with a white flag. And he said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. The Israeli guy turned around and goes, there's nobody else. He said, oh, no, there's not. The whole night the countryside is filled with tanks, men dressed in white, and you firing at us all night. We can't take it anymore. Well, what does that sound like? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was time for Jerusalem to be won back. It was exactly one jubilee from 1917. And so here you got, you got changes happening, Jerusalem won back. Remember, everything points to that piece of real estate. This last week, Israel passed a law that you don't have to be Orthodox Jew to pray at the Western Wall. I mean, you could actually go up there and do other things, but they're, they're setting up a whole thing for other religions to come there. There's been such a, such a deal over the Temple Mount because that's going to be where Jesus is going to reign forever, right there on that piece of real estate. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you, re, you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything comes back to that piece of place. Jerusalem, wow. Wow, the Prince of Peace He's going to come back to that Mount of Olives where they beat him and mocked him. And he's going to come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wow, the earth is getting ready for this. So here you see physical changes getting ready for this. A city, Jerusalem, won back. Jesus said, when you see that, uh, the times for the nations is pretty much up. So watch what he does in verse 29 to help us get this. Go down to verse 29. He spake to them a parable. What's a parable? That's to make what he had just said make more sense because it's pretty radical. That when you see a city one back, time is up. So he says, look at Israel, verse 29. Look at Israel, that's the fig tree, and all the trees. So Israel's your timepiece. Now, I'm a Holy Ghost word guy. I would have said, when you see the church operate in the power of God, you know I'm about to come back. And Jesus said, Israel would be your timepiece. How many of you wear a watch? Why do you wear a watch? So you can keep up what time it is, so you'll make it at an appointment. You don't have to have a watch if you don't have an appointment, but if you have a watch, you can tell, hey, I don't want to be late. I can get there at a certain time. So he said, look at Israel. And in our lifetime, Israel's regathered. The fig trees regathered in 1948. What a miracle that they were scattered in Acts chapter 8. And in your lifetime, God regathered them. He has brought Israel back together to court her. And we know right after the rapture of the church, the spirit of supplication is going to come upon that land. And they're going to, have a, they're going to turn to him. So the setup for that is happening right now. So he's smart enough to work with them as a nation to bring them back. I said it last hour. Uh, Colleen and I got married about 10 years ago. And, and you know, back then you're texting, you know, and uh, I'm trying to date by text. And I'm like, man, this doesn't work. I'm trying to tell, she's living in Los Angeles and I'm living in Tulsa. You can't convey emotion, you know. I'm like, uh, it's really cool to be with you. I love your blonde hair. Well, that doesn't sound cool because you're texting. Well, I moved her from Los Angeles to Tulsa so I could court her. God has moved Israel back to their land so he can court her he's going to show off for her and right after we're raptured when Russia comes down on Israel God's going to step in and intervene that's why you can tell it's during that seven years of tribulation in this dispensation he has intervened remember uh, Hitler killed six million Jews he didn't intervene why because the church has all the authority it's the church's fault that, that that Hitler killed six million Jews that's why the church has to be taken off the earth we have so much authority we dictate things during the tribulation Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Amen. Here we go. All right, we got to keep moving. <laughs> so, so God brought Israel back to their land. We'll get into all that tomorrow, okay? So you have so much authority that, that here uh, God didn't intervene. You know, Germany prospered after killing 6 million Jews. 
You can't get much more worse than killing six million Jews. But notice God regathered them, and Lucifer thought, if I can just annihilate them, I'll keep the word of God from coming to pass. But oh, he did not. Jews from all over the earth said something drew them. If you go to the Tel Aviv airport, Ben-Gurion, you stand there, and they'll come in, and they'll, go, they'll weep. They'll get on their knees and cry because they're not even born again yet, but something has led them back to their land because God's great plan is to bring them back and deal with them for seven years. And my friend, if people like that that aren't even saved can be led by the Holy Ghost to get back there to their land. How much more you and I right now being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, we can be led by the Spirit. Amen? So we're a product of the day we live when our God is physically doing radical changes to the earth. Number one, Jerusalem won back. Then right after that, you have Israel made a nation. You could preach on that for months. The fig tree, buddy. So watch what Jesus says. Let's go a little further. You got your Bibles there in verse 30. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. I like that, that see and know. In other words, we don't even have to be told this. In the spring, you don't have to be told summer's coming. When the trees begin to bud, the grass turns, you don't go, hey, summer's not coming this year. People think you're crazy. Wouldn't that be idiotic? He said, likewise. Look at that word, likewise. Likewise. Just as bold as you are about a temperature change, when you see Israel made a nation and Jerusalem went back, you can be pretty bold. You can see this and you can know this. (laughs) I like it. He didn't say you'd sense there's a change coming. He didn't say you'd have a witness there's a change coming. You'd see it and you'd know it. Because I hear people on TV all the time, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, you can if you can read. Okay, because he's given us sign after sign after sign. If you're on the freeway and you want something to eat, let's say McDonald's, I don't know, whatever's popular, and you see McDonald's or something that says eight kilometers, you know the next sign says seven kilometers. Next sign says five kilometers. Next sign, you're getting near McDonald's. You don't go, oh my God, I'm never going to get my burger. No, you, you know you're moving toward it. So we're going to look at some signs today that show us we're moving toward Jesus coming back to the planet. And I know that we know these, but my friend, it has to be stamped in us because it changes your life. Some people go, I really believe the Lord's coming back. If you really believe the Lord's coming back, it'll change your life. Let me say that again. I might do Elvis on that one. If you really believe the Lord's coming back... If you really believe it, you live differently, you're kinder, you're more merciful, you're gentle, you, you, you get rid of bitterness, you, you, all the Mickey Mouse stuff that used to bother you, you go, I'm about to see the king. Come on, you're, there, there, there is a mercy in you and I that this generation has never seen. Oh, come on, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah, amen. So here we see Jesus saying, you, you'll see this and you'll know this. Now I tell the story. Remember, Kenneth Hagin was born in 1917. The Lord appeared to his mother and told him to name him John. And I love that she argued with him, goes, I don't like John, I'll name him Kenneth. So uh, his name, Hagin, in the Hebrew, means one to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. Because, you know, the, the Lord told his mother that he'd have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming of the Lord. So we're all, this building, all of us in here are, are part of this deal right before Jesus comes back. So, so 50 years from when he was born, what happened? Jerusalem won back. Wow. So you're living when, when scriptures are coming to pass. So go down a little further. Look at the next one. Verse 31. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. That's pretty radical. He said, this generation... 
This generation, what generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem went back. Now that's two signs. I'm going to give you about 10 really fast. There's about 40 I'll give you tonight. We'll get into more. But let's go through the rest of, of, of the ones that I usually do every week. What's the next sign after this? Hebrew language restored. Never has there been a language lost and recovered ever in history happened in your lifetime. Eliehud ben Yehuda, 100 years ago, said, 100, 115 years ago, he said, hey, we need to speak Hebrew here. He came out with new words for fountain pen and airplane because in the land of Israel they didn't speak Hebrew, and now they all speak Hebrew. You can be there, and you, you watch them talk. A buddy of mine has classes in the afternoon for kids. They teach them football. They have a computer class for them, and they have a Hebrew class for them. God's done this in your lifetime. So you see the language restored. It's just a miracle. So you can Google it and check it out, see if it happens no other time ever in history. Try to find out when they speak Hittite. F try to find out when they speak Amorite. Can't find it. <laughs> but you can find some Hebrew. Amen. <laughs> because God blessed this nation to be a, a timepiece for us. And think of the jeans we all wear, Levi's. Uh, a Jewish man got some material to make some tents. They sent him too much material. He said, why don't we make some pants out of it? I mean, Levi's are still the coolest jeans you can buy. Uh, that's a, a blueprint of, of the, the plan of God for man to see that God would bless those people tangibly, visibly. Oh, we'll get into all of it. We'll get into there's no such thing as Palestinians. We'll get into all that stuff this week, so we've got so much to get into. <laughs> we'll open up everything there is to open up about how blessed we are to watch our God do these things. So the language was restored in your lifetime. Never happened before in history. Next would be the Ethiopian Jews brought back. Uh, you know, the C-130s flew down into Ethiopia and brought back 18,000 Ethiopian Jews in one day. An exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Here you're watching God do visible things right here before he comes back. Here they were brought back by, by C-130s and came back. They came back rejoicing. Just like when the, the, the children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, the, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I wonder what the songs they sang on those C-130s. Our God, who, who is valiant, who brought us up out of Ethiopia. And you know why God brought them out of Ethiopia? You had the Queen of Sheba that came there to meet Solomon when the house of the Lord was complete. And what did, what did, he bring, what did she bring him? <laughs> Uh, 666 talents of gold, indicating after seven years of tribulation, you, when the house is finished, you got seven years of tribulation. So God's so cool, goes, I'll bring the Ethiopian Jews back because he wanted to bless them because of that. So you had that happen in our lifetime. Next would be the fertility of the land of Israel. The land of Israel was so barren 100 years ago, they said it won't support life. Now it's so blessed, it's so lush, produces the fruit for all of Europe, 90% of the fruit. I've been up on the Golan Heights. <laughs> a couple of my buddies were up there on the Golan. And the border of Syria, you can see it. I asked my friend, I said, now do you sprinkler the dirt right here, and how do you fertilize this? To get my grass to look like this, i got to use Scott Super Turf Builder, and i got to have my sprinklers running four times a week. He goes, we don't sprinkler that. We don't fertilize that. I said, you have to. It's lush, dark green. And all of a sudden, you look at the border where Syria is, and it's completely barren, brown, no grass. The dirt preaches about the plan of God saying, I give you this land, and I'll make it blessed and make it fertile. So you have all these witnesses of how awesome his plan is. you got the language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. Oh my gosh, fertility of the land of Israel. One of the cornfields I went to, and they had rose bushes there. And I said, Why do you decorate your cornfields with roses? They said, Well, the insects will come to the roses before they'll come to the corn. Israel's the only nation that has more trees now than since they've been counting trees. The number one nation. 
and growth of trees. They have this, they're so smart, they don't have to water their trees. They have a pan underneath their trees that collects the dew, and it waters all their trees. I mean, one Jewish man, the Lord gave him the idea, and that's what he has. So you have all these visible, tangible things. After that, you know, you've got the revival of the Roman Empire. That's still a miracle. Last year, I was preaching in Norway. I flew down to Nice, and I was kind of mad because they didn't stamp my passport. You know, I wanted Cote d'Azur on my passport. How cool is that? They don't even stamp your passport because you're in the United States of Europe. And it's amazing that Federation of Nations has come together, and it is the platform for the Antichrist. Well, let's have homework today. Go to your computer and Google the capital of the EU, it's in Brussels, Belgium, and look at the building. I showed uh, Pastor, Pastor Patsy last night. It's, it's identical to the Tower of Babel. If you, if you saw a drawing of the Tower of Babel and you put their capital building, it's identical. Guess what the computer's called inside there? The beast. The markings all over it are all from Nebuchadnezzar. They don't even know it. Their coin has the woman from the book of Revelation, the scarlet woman, on the, on the horse. And on their money, they have that. They don't even know they're doing that. So you're watching all these tangible things come to pass right before our eyes. Okay, quickly, right after that, I was watching TV years ago, and I'm kind of a sports guy, ESPN and golf and football. But I was watching the Animal Planet channel, and an Israeli ornithologist was on there. The only reason I know who an ornithologist is, my brother was an ornithologist. He went to school for nine years to study birds. My dad said, what did you learn in college? He said, well, I learned how to play poker. But anyway, he studied, studied birds for nine years. And this Israeli ornithologist says, you know what? We don't understand it. We have the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. And I, my ears perked up. She goes, we don't understand it. 172 different species of predatory birds showed up in Israel. Now, why is that a big deal? Right after we're raptured, the Ezekiel 38 war happens. He calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. At the end of the Battle of Armageddon, seven years later, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. You've got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. Now, as crazy as that may sound, when Noah said the animals are going to come, and all of a sudden they started coming, people are like, hmm, Noah might be onto something here. You've got nature getting ready for these changes. Another one, I'm just, just giving you a shotgun and use some signs here before we go. Another one would be Russia. The Bible says Russia is going to come down on Israel right after we're raptured, the Ezekiel 38 war. They went into Crimea, went into the Ukraine, and Putin denied that they were in the Ukraine. The prime minister of Germany, Angela Merkel, said it seems as though he's delusional, I guess. Now, there's about 50 other things Russia's been doing that, that I'll get into tonight and tomorrow the next day, but uh, the next thing he did was quote Hitler verbatim. And not one world leader said a word. He said, Crimea is the cradle of our religious society. That's what Hitler said about Poland and Czechoslovakia right before World War II. I mean, you have a man verbalizing exactly identical to what Hitler said. People are just like, there's a quietness in the whole earth. Why? Because Russia's going to come down on Israel. And the Bible says 82% of Russia will be wiped out. Because God's going to step in and intervene. And it'll, the Bible says that so that the heathen may know that he's God. So you're watching the setup for that. Another part of the setup is uh, 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 you had ISIS trying to dam up the Euphrates last year. That freaked me out when I saw that. I thought ISIS is taking American equipment and blocking off the Euphrates River because the Bible says at the end of the tribulation, the kings of the east come over the Euphrates River. I'm thinking, man, they're doing that right now. Another one is a location of... Uh, 
In Jordan, the Bible says that the Jews will go for safety in Jordan. How many of you saw the movie Transformers? Ever see that movie? I didn't really want to see it. You know, I was preaching in a men's conference in, up in Idaho, and they said, hey, after you preach, we're going to have a movie called Transformers. I don't want to see that movie. It was awesome. It was great. <laughs> and the second movie of Transformers, they're out in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Basra, they're there in Jordan, where all those, con- those rock formations are. The Bible says the Jews will go into where those rock formations are for safety. You know what happened this last March? I watched the video. Now, this is a very arid area, real barren. There's no water there. All of a sudden, this video, this huge thing of water come pouring out of the side of a rock and formed a river about the size of this building. God's already provided for a water source for the Jews during the tribulation while we're still here. I saw that, and I was like, holy cow, Jesus is coming back. Next, you have Aerosmith's lead singer, Steven Tyler, got saved. Listen to me, when Aerosmith's getting born again, the Lord's coming back. <laughs> hey, trust me, when you, start getting, when you start getting Aerosmith saved, lift up your heads, your redemption's drawing nigh. Come on, I'm serious. Lenny Kravitz, the guitar player, talked to Steven Tyler, said, you want peace in your life? Jesus is the only peace you'll ever have. He got born again. Trust me, it's one thing to have the predatory birds. It's one thing to have Israel come back. It's one thing to have Jerusalem come back. When you start getting Aerosmith saved, man, Jesus is coming. Come on. Now, I say that jokingly, but it's like, look, when do we get it? This is it. Now, there's, there's 40 more signs we'll get into tonight. I gave you about five or six. But you have the Temple Mount Institute. You have China's one-child policy. You have all these things that are pointing to Jesus coming back. Very, 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 very privileged. We're, we're privileged. I wonder what it would have been like when, when Mary was walking there with Jesus in her and Joseph was there. I wonder if the people around them saw the weight of God coming to the earth the first time. And the humility of that and the quietness of it and the behind the scenes of it. But my friends, uh, this time it's, it's going to be with fanfare. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord the glory of God the Father, and he's got this destiny for the church age that right before the church departs, he wants you a voice and a witness of his goodness and his mercy. Mm. The righteousness of God made known through the church of the living God to even be an awakening voice before the coming of the Lord with mercy and kindness and grace. And you'd see the power of the living Savior through every single believer that would yield themselves to him. And surely you'll see the glory of the Lord made known to the church of the living God. For he is alive. He is alive and well and coming back again in power and in great glory. And all the earth will, will witness him and will bow their knee. Creation will bow its knee to the coming of the Lord. So rise up in this hour and say, yes, Jesus, you are mine. I'll walk in the fullness of what you left me 2,000 years ago. Great strength and great joy will be my habitation. Uh, great peace will be my habitation in the hour of his return. So, so this is it. I heard people say, is this really it? This is really it. <laughs> so we're going to come back tonight and get into a little bit more. But bless his name, Spirit of God, we thank you. We thank you for alerting us through all these scriptures that point to your, your manifestation in the earth and coming back. Help us, Father, as a church. We, we, we yield to you, we lean to you to do the will of God before you come. We thank you for it, Father. And I do know this before I close. Um, 
I, I've had it just hammered in me doing end times for so long. He wants you happy. He wants you filled with joy. He wants you to have an expectation to where there's so much joy in you that people think something's wrong with you. I know I said that at the beginning, but I'm telling you, I feel it right now. He's not mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you. He wants his love hammered into you to where you're like, wow, perfect love casts out fear. He wants you fearless, happy. Remember five things about the coming of the Lord. And I'll say this, there is no bad news for us. He wants you not to be troubled, not to be deceived, not have you to sorrow as others that have no hope. And He wants you comforted. He wants you happy, hopeful, comforted. <laughs> he doesn't want you troubled. He wants you informed so you're not deceived. And for all of us, you know, we have so much in our heart. I hear people go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. It's because you're not done. The rapture is not an ending. It's a beginning. Come back in the next couple days. We'll get into all that. There's so much in your heart. It's because you're going to live forever. <laughs> I heard people say, well, I just got so much in my spirit. That's right. The rapture is a beginning, not an ending. If you like to play the guitar... You'll play the guitar better in your glorified body. You don't lose your taste level when you get your glorified body. We, we, I told Pastor Patsy, you know, if this is what we equate going to heaven is playing harps. If that's true, we'd be having harp classes right now. How many of you are in a harp class this week? No. It's because you're not going to be doing that. I purpose in my heart to never play the harp, okay? No, I'm just saying we have so much in our spirit and some people kind of almost go, really, if the Lord came back, I wouldn't get to do all that. That's a lie. No, you'll have a full expression of all that stuff that He put in your spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Let's bow our heads for just a minute before we go. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we scratch the surface today on all these things that point to your return. And Father, we, we make changes in our lives. We make consecration, dedication. We make a commitment now to accelerate our pace. <laughs> Help us run faster as we see the finish line. Jesus, 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 we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for dying for us. Help us pick up the pace. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this teaching and are freshly excited about our Savior's imminent return and how we should be living in anticipation of this blessed hope. For more information on Rama Family Church or to partner with us in producing more resources like this, please visit rama.org.au.